Amen. Amen. Dear friends, every week we take time during our Sunday morning worship service to read four different passages from Scripture. Old Testament, Psalm, New Testament, Gospel reading. Every week we do this. And I think it's a really good practice because there's no telling how the Word of God might meet each of us from day to day. And so even if my sermon focuses on one passage, maybe you don't get anything out of that, but you get something great out of the psalm that day that we read. The Word of God gets into our hearts, and that's all that really matters. But today, the sermon's going to be a little different because all of our readings work really well together. So we're going to be looking at each and every one. I've titled this sermon, God's Grace is Enough. Please pray with me. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips be acceptable to you, O God. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. As I said, our readings for this morning all work together really well. And in seminary, they told me not to ever do this, but I've been out for a few years, so I can forget a couple of things. But I really do believe that there's a whole bunch of nice, cohesive points that we can see when we look at these texts together. And so this sermon will have look at three different texts that we read this morning, but we'll also have three distinct points. Point number one, the ministry is out there. The gospel passage from Mark today shows us the scene of Jesus going to his hometown. And Jesus walks into the synagogue on the Sabbath and begins to teach the people, but no one is having it. The only thing that the people can think about when they hear this sermon is the family that Jesus came from. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? He's nothing special. Why should we be listening to him? How dare he try and teach us about the scriptures? The text says that Jesus was amazed by their unbelief. He was trying to give them something special, trying to share a word from the Lord with them, but they couldn't get past what they knew about his family. And so Jesus and the disciples left, and they went to other villages They didn't stay in Jesus' hometown where the unbelief was so great. They went out to other villages. And not only that, but Jesus even divided up the disciples. He mobilized the group to ensure that they had an even greater impact throughout the region. Sending them out two by two, giving them instructions and authority over the spirits. Teaching them how to teach and how to heal in the name of God. As we read this account of Jesus and the sending of his disciples here 2,000 years later, there is a clear and direct message for us, a reminder that the ministry is out there. Of course, we need to worry about the needs and the spiritual growth of Reformation Lutheran Church. We need to worry about one another and how we're developing in our walk with Jesus, but we have to pay attention to the fact that Jesus was constantly sending people out, sending people out to the neighboring towns to proclaim the good news, to bring healing, and to expand the message of the kingdom of God. 2,000 years later, that's still true. 
The needs are out there. The ministry is out there. The places where Christ is calling us to be is out there beyond these four walls. Yes, there's work and growth that needs to happen within our congregation, but we can quickly become so focused on trying to get everything perfect around here that we miss all the chances to make a real impact out there. Improving our communication. Yeah, we could do that. Fine-tuning our constitution. We could do that. Making adjustments to the worship service, setting up the right committees. It's all important, but it cannot become the entirety of our work as a church. The disciples were sent to neighboring towns because the ministry is out there. Jesus is calling us to make a difference out there. I understand that this is an intimidating reality. We know that we're supposed to be helping others and speaking out. And in the face of everything that's going on in the world these days, that can feel overwhelming. What are we possibly supposed to say in the face of everything we read on the news? There's so much need out there, and we probably don't even know where to start. And this brings us to our Old Testament reading for this morning from the book of Ezekiel. And point number two for the sermon, point two God gives us the words to speak, and we must speak even if no one will listen. Ezekiel is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. God specifically called Ezekiel to speak to the Israelite people during their exile in Babylon. But God did not send Ezekiel all on his own. In the passage we read this morning, we see that God gave Ezekiel the words to say to the Israelites. Turn with me in your Bibles to that passage from Ezekiel. It's page 728 in the Old Testament. We're going to reread a section of it. Ezekiel chapter 2, if you're pulling it up on your phone or if you brought your own Bible. Ezekiel chapter 2, again, page 728 in the Old Testament for the Pew Bibles. And we're going to start right there, chapter 2, verse 1. God said to me, O mortal, stand up on your feet and I will speak with you. And when he spoke to me, a spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. He said to me, O mortal, I am sending you to the people of Israel. To a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are impudent and stubborn. I am sending you to them. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. Stop right there. This is just one passage in the early chapters of Ezekiel where it's made very clear that God intends to speak through the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel is not responsible for figuring out what to say all on his own. God sends him to the people who are out there in Babylon, and he gives him the words he needs to say. And that's exactly what God does for us, too. Following the call of God to go out to the people who are out there can feel so overwhelming and intimidating, but we are never sent all on our own. God promises to give us the words to speak. This is what God said to Moses when Moses was doubting his ability to lead the people out of Egypt. This is what Jesus said to his disciples when they were sent to the neighboring villages. And this is what God said to Ezekiel. Through prayer and careful discernment, 
God gives us the message that we need to share. But the promises actually go deeper than that. Hopefully you still have your Bibles open. Just look with me at that next verse. Chapter 2, verse 5 of Ezekiel, it says, Whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they shall know that there has been a prophet among them. God gives Ezekiel the words that need to be spoken, and then God tells him to speak this message even if no one will listen. Amidst all the needs that are in our world today, amidst all the places that are in need of a message of hope and grace, it can feel overwhelming. What am I possibly supposed to do? Our actions and words can seem so feeble next to the bigness of the need. And yet, God will give us the words to say. And we are to speak them even if no one will listen. Because the truth is that God is still working even if we can't see it. The Holy Spirit will take our feeble words, our ordinary actions, and do something extraordinary with them. Maybe not right away. Maybe not as fast as we would like it. But we know that our simple words might lay the groundwork for real change later on. I want to share a story about this. I remember I worked at a Bible camp for a couple of summers, and I took that job really seriously. I loved it, and I, would, I thought it was my responsibility to change the lives of every kid that walked into my cabin each and every week. And so I would labor over the devotionals that I planned for the kids, over the Bible studies that we would go through week after week. And the truth is that most of those kids came to camp because they wanted to learn how to sail on the lake. (laughs) The Bible stuff could wait for later. That was just kind of a byproduct. But that didn't matter to me. I was so concerned with making sure that I was the person who really helped the kids get it. That was my goal. And I was sharing all my frustrations with a mentor because it wasn't really working. It didn't seem like anybody was getting it. And my mentor said to me, Nate, you have no idea what effect your words are actually having on these kids. None of us do. A a, a kid might need to hear the gospel 50 times before they finally get it. And maybe you'll be the one that shares the gospel with them on that 50th time. Praise God. Or maybe you'll be number 22. It doesn't really matter because every time they hear the gospel, it lays the groundwork for that future transformation. And that's why we all have to keep speaking and sharing, even if no one will listen. God calls us to share a message of hope and healing and wholeness with the people who are out there and the people who are right here, even if they won't listen. Our job isn't to make them get it. That's up to the Holy Spirit. Our job isn't to share. Our job is to share and share the word of God again and again because we never know how the Holy Spirit will use those words for transformation. Which brings us to point number three in this sermon and, and reading number three from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Point number three God's grace is enough. We talk about following Jesus as having faith because it's all about trust. It runs completely counter to the way that the rest of our society operates, and that's why it seems so difficult. In every other aspect of our life, we're taught to work hard and to do it ourselves, to pull up your bootstraps, to trust no one but yourself, to figure it out on your own. But when it comes to a life of faith, none of that applies. 
When it comes to faith, we simply need to trust. No one individual will save the world. Only Jesus can do that. No one individual will lead people to trust in God. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. No one individual will heal and restore creation. Only Jesus can do that. Our job is to trust that God's grace is enough. That whatever efforts we make in our day to make the world a better place, that God will take that and do something extraordinary with it. Because God's grace is sufficient. It's enough. Just as Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians. And as I've said again and again throughout this sermon, there's so much need out there. And it can feel like any effort we make won't be enough. But that's not the point. God's grace is enough. And so we can be sure that God will work with whatever actions we are brave enough to take. God's grace is enough, and so that means that we must do something and then trust for God to do the rest. When I think about the ways that gun violence is destroying our city, they say that there have been nine deaths from gun violence in July in Philadelphia. Or when I read about the horrors of our country's immigration policies, or when I see the ways that certain laws and practices unfairly affect specific groups of people, I can feel overwhelmed. What can I possibly do in the face of all this injustice? But here's the thing. I know that God is the restorer of justice. I know that God has promised to bring an end to violence. I know that God will welcome all people, and I know that God calls us to do the same. And so while I might feel like my voice can't possibly make a difference and that many people won't listen, the truth is that I still have to speak. God has shown me what it is that God desires. God desires forgiveness and mercy and peace and unity. And so we are all called to speak up and share this vision, even if no one will listen, because God's grace is enough. So look out there. Folks, and ask yourself, who do you know that's not here this morning, that's in need of a message of healing and forgiveness and hope? Ask yourself, where am I seeing practices and policies that run counter to God's message of forgiveness, healing, and grace? Ask yourself these questions and then ask God to give you the courage and the words to say something, even if it feels fruitless. Even if you think no one will listen and your voice will have no effect. Because, church, God's grace is enough. God will use whatever small efforts we make. And God will bring healing and wholeness and justice to all those in need. Because that's what God does. That's just how it works. So speak up, even if no one will listen. Trust in the grace of God to be enough again and again and again. Because it is is and know that healing and forgiveness and hope are on the way. Amen.